0: Hey, welcome to the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, good news. Good news. A lot of these, breaking the wall here, inside baseball stuff. A lot of these I do over Zoom, right? Uh, a few of them I have done in person. And some when there's that person-to-person in the basement connection, you know you're going to get an extra special podcast. Well, that's what you're getting tonight, because we're in the basement uh, with someone who is in town with me. My guest tonight from... I'm gonna try and say it right. I've said it wrong so many times. Husker twenty-four seven. Sports. I don't know, you're wearing the shirt, so it's
1: 24-7 sports.
0: Hus- but you're Husker 24-7. We're Husker 24-7. No sports. No sports. I I feel bad because I've introduced this man in my life <laughs> literally hundreds of times. And a good I'm hitting a good like a good two twenty-five batting average and actually getting his employer correct so that's better than some places
1: where i've been introduced <laughs> by my competitor or you know introduced as my competitors uh, <laughs> I, I haven't done that introduced i've by, just mangled your actual yeah. name introduced by the old uh magazine that we used to be affiliated yeah, with yeah, that yeah. we're not anymore yeah, uh, yeah. so there's you know it's
0: i know the two, two kind of the four to and the seven i don't know where the husker goes i don't know where the sports goes just put the husker in front of the numbers husker 25 i think I, yeah so i think i'm pretty good yeah. at it and luckily a lot of times you wear the swag now so I look at you and see if there's anything on you I can read. <laughs> I literally did that on the air on Friday, by the way. You were wearing the hat. Oh, good. <laughs> so so anyway, if you haven't been able to tell and why would you have not know, because you clicked on the link and you know who it is. My guest today is Mike Schaefer. So welcome to the basement, Mike. You've been down here before, but welcome I've been down once here, again. Been, good to have you. Uh... It's been a little bit. It's been a while. We've been we've watched some basketball down here. Yes. We've done some podcasts
1: down here. You walked out of the room on Isaiah Roby dunk against Maryland. <laughs> in 2019. Oh, the... it was the yes. So 2018, twenty
0: eighteen twenty nineteen season was the year of the Big Ten. No, that was the year that I went to the Big Ten tournament. Right. Yeah. It was that well, that was
1: when you know Nebraska was supposed to be pretty good at basketball.
0: Yes, you've been down here with that. You've uh, you've had the full experience in my house, and so you're familiar with the territory. And I appreciate you uh, you coming down here. Let's let's yeah. start let's start this thing out with the way I start every podcast. All right. Um, which is telling people about my intersection with my guest. And uh, you know, I've had a few guests where I've got no intersection with them. Uh, I've got some of them where I, I had my son on the other day, and I have a very not surprisingly, significantly, uh, uh, sort of uh, intersection with him. But but for you and you probably are going to have to help me with some of the dates. And I was thinking about this earlier today, Mike. I was I was thinking, uh, what happened is I asked Mike to be uh, a guest on the Friday radio show that I do during Husker football season. Let's call the Friday Husker Tailgate. It's been going on. It's been going on for like thirteen years now, fourteen years through KLIN. It was originally both on KLIN and sixteen twenty the zone and then they started a, a morning show but i've had my i've had player guest hosts on over the years from from Damon Benning to Jason Peter to Corey Ross Didn't to did you have Joe
1: Gans for a year? Gans
0: did it for a year. Kevin Kugler did the show. The very beginning lineup was Damon Kugler, Bishop and me. I think was a very a very interesting foursome. It was a very in- interesting foursome on that whole thing. That was like the very beginning of when we did this, but there've been a lot of people who have been on it over the years and 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 one year I called uh, I called Schaefer up and I I don't even I honestly don't remember why or how it even came about but I called him and asked him to do the show with me and he said yes and I th- I think okay help me out with this Mike do you remember anything about the background of how that even did I know you when uh, I asked so you to
1: do this we had we got introduced and I think I've said this multiple times like the first time I ever met you in person. Because I think I had seen That's you right. on Twitter yeah. before, but the first time I ever met you in person was No Sit Sunday That's when right. Gary Sharp introduced us, and we were both standing outside of then Buffalo Wings and Rings, uh, <laughs> and he he introduced us. And by the way, if I, I always gonna... feel like that was like a a very important thing because I regard you as a person who cares greatly about Nebraska yes, basketball. I do. That's uh, confirmed. Those that you know only know me from a professional capacity you may not know this but i grew up as a child in columbus nebraska caring a lot more about college basketball and a team that never won <laughs> than i did about a dynasty that i got a witness when i was seven yes, years old yes uh you know their first national championship in the 90s and then so on and so forth after that so um but i text you more about basketball than football significantly generally yeah, yeah. uh and it's it, you know it's It's funny because I feel like the people that really care about Nebraska basketball and like I can name people that you would know that we have never interacted with together, but you would know their names because they've either tweeted at you or you've seen them or whatever. Like there's this community of people in
0: Lincoln. It's different. It's different. Care
1: on a level about Nebraska basketball that is both unhealthy and unbelievably humorous given the return on investment
0: is awful. It's a smaller, different community than yeah. the Nebraska football yeah. fan base. Much, much smaller, no less rabid.
1: Every bit is insane.
0: Yes, perhaps and, more so, and obvious in needing therapy, maybe yeah. even more than anyone, right. any other fan base.
1: So I always regard that as sort of this like great thing that the day that we got to sort of meet each other, we didn't really talk
0: that much, but no. it was like a quick passing but i will will never forget that gary was with you well i won't either i won't either because there are a few days i would like to go back in time and relive Relive my life more than that day for so many reasons um but i i mean that day if people remember i think they still had like the ice rink up Mm -hmm. at at the rail yard the world's dumbest idea every year (laughs) Yeah, still, on. but it was like March, and it was like sixty-five. Yeah, it was and Beautiful. It, it had been cold, yep. and it was. I'm sure I had cargo sh- shorts on at that point. It was a beautiful day. The place was packed, and it was like I got there at that moment. And you know, I'm not saying I got the arena and the rail yard built. I'll let you guys debate <laughs> that. But Bishop and I had a had a some would say a very big hand in advocating for it. Uh, against the negative Nellies here in, in the city of Lincoln. And I, I remember that day I was like, this is what I imagined except for that stupid ice rink, but everything else, this is what I, I imagined. So it was a, it was a beautiful day. Uh, it was, it was really warm in March, uh, uh, or late February, it was probably March. And then, um, and I was with my dad who passed away a few? Uh, I guess was about a, a little over a year later. But one of the last kind of sporting events I ever mm-hmm. went to with him, and then of course No Sit Sunday happens. So I met y- I I'm, I met you before literally one of the best days of m- yeah. during and before what I would consider one of the best days yeah. of my life, and a day if I could ever relive, probably in the top maybe three. <laughs> what did you do after that day? Not after like the the day, but after the game, like the game ends. Do you remember like what you so, did? I we sat up in the in the box that my employer had at the time, and I sat. What with do they call that the Logue? De loge, the loge, loge, loge. it just you. sounds like loge. I, pro- I hope you knew that, and I hope you were being funny. Um, <laughs> Why would I know that? <laughs> I don't know. Look, I guess just. I mean, I can uh, pronounce mezzanine. I just, I just live in the the. You know, the the sweet life here. But nonetheless, <laughs> so I went with uh, Kevin Cody Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, who's a communications guy with the State Patrol now. He was my, I don't know if he was doing, I can't remember who was doing what at that point. I think he was doing the afternoon show then. And then a guy named Brent Martin who worked for the Nebraska, what was it called then? Uh, it was the Nebraska Radio Network. It was called then. And we just ended up with tickets. We went to the tickets. So we were all going mm-hmm. together. But I picked them all up so we could have one car. We had one parking pass. I picked him up at Lincoln High with my dad. We just left the car there. And so after the I mean afterwards my dad and I and and Kevin and Brent drive back, uh drop them off and, at Lincoln High and then I just drove with my dad, uh just the two of us and listen to the post game. Mm-hmm. And that's all and, and I remember thinking, I remember thinking I need to go to the station because if I turned on a live post game show right now we could go for the next 5 hours yeah. and take calls. We listened to every minute of that thing, listened to the the interview with Miles, we listened to the highlight, we listened to everything that we could and then it was I think it got over pretty quick and so then I remember we were just trying to find other content about what had right. just happened.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like there was nothing there. The insatiable desire to devour
0: everything when you're in that sort of moment right. where I, it's like I haven't felt that much yeah. since then. But when things go well, it's like sure, that's the best feeling after some kind of a well, victory in sports.
1: Um, later that year, in September, the 2014 uh, wild card game would have been a similar phenomenon. They
0: win that game, and you're just devouring whatever you can. It's funny you should bring that up, because uh, another one where I had my dad and one of my uh, other best friends over, who's a Royals fan, had them over to watch that the game, the A's and the Royals game. Didn't start out very well. I don't know if people remember that game, but the Royals got down. I really hope Michael Bruns is not listening it, to this. It, it's just, and I essentially, and I'm not kidding you, I essentially asked my guests to leave my house. Oh, no. Because I didn't want... I th- listen. Everyone knows I'm a psycho on Game right, Day. Sure, everyone knows I have so little patience for people, mm-hmm. including my own father. That day, he wasn't <laughs> doing anything wrong, but I did not. You just didn't want. I him to didn't see want you. any. Yeah, I didn't want to do it. I. I got. I can't. It. I after every loss, I now qu- tweet. I can't do this. I get to that spot where I can't do it, and I essentially sort of said. Well, if this thing's over, you guys might want to, you know, get a move on and and uh, get going. And they were—I don't think they were going to stay all night anyway. But, but yeah, but that did happen. And then I remember standing in my garage, uh, listening to the radio. I don't know why I thought it was better luck if I listened to the game on the radio, standing in my garage uh, after the winning run came in, and and texting my dad, and and all, I did that thing where I texted just like pounded on every letter, <laughs> like nothing else, and and sent that to him. Yeah and and yeah and so later that year i had the same thing and yeah i haven't been in that spot though where you can't get enough content about the game that you just watch because it makes you so happy that's good after the world series win for the royals sorry after the world series win for the royals i sat out i had the game on my garage i sat out by myself on my driveway watching post game until 4 in the morning that's awesome and went and slept for about an hour and a half and then went to work so i haven't been been in that place but back to the original thing i So I met you at that point. So that's, Mm -hmm. what, March 2014? Yep. Okay. You start doing the show with me in fall of 2015, right? Yeah, you
1: called me that summer, and you're like, hey, you got Corey Ross on. And it's me, and at that time, um, Dave was uh, was yep. your co-host Dave and your producer. Dave Dave Miller. Yep. And you're co-host. like, yes. I think we need another voice. Would you be interested in doing this? It's a three-hour show. You just have to come in at 8 o'clock. And so it started with me coming in at 8 o'clock. And then 8 o'clock turned into, I'm having a good time. I can't remember the segment that would come on before I would actually... Like, I'd be standing, I would slip into the room so I could listen I remember to that, it. I remember that. And there'd just be this segment at 7.50 that would be cracking me up. And so then it was like, I would start showing up earlier and earlier. And before you know it, I'm there at, like, 7 in the morning, and Dave is just finishing another one of his rants, and Corey is, like, hiding under the desk for fear of either doubling over laughing or that someone is going to come in representing the other fan base and just
0: take dave out they would they would do a, ra- a rant that was uh that basically was sort of a why i hate the opponent yeah. and I, he was an absolute master at so much to the point that you you started recording yeah, with him after we, he was done at at KLI.
1: yeah we we brought him uh we brought him on so I- It's funny you bring that up, because I actually went back today, and I I wanted to see when we first started podcasting that show, and it was August 11th of 2016. And then in the 2017 season, I went to Dave, and I was like, hey, do you want to keep doing your rant, and we'll just, you send it to me, we'll put it in our podcast system, and we'll run it every Friday. And it didn't, just didn't have the same traction, and I think some of it is you don't get, like, you don't get Dave, Well, you don't get Corey's reaction, which... Certainly makes it. But you also just don't get Dave throughout the rest of the show, too, because, like, you're just dropping someone in as a character when the whole audience doesn't really know him, Right. Like,
0: that—that yeah. that is sort of what makes it. The writing was still good, but, yes, yeah. having the, the reaction and the, const, you know. Right. The background of the whole show but i listened to him when he did yeah. it and i would still laugh my ass yeah, off when i, I, listened I would to would do all if them he too. just did it like randomly it so now good. they were so good i would love it they i don't care so if other people good. don't like it. i remember one of the northwestern ones he was talking about uh, something reeking talking about fitzgerald reeking of axe body spray and <laughs> cheap white wine or he,
1: something he had this incredible line about <laughs> subarus when they played oregon that like sort of towed the line between like, can we really run this and, <laughs> and can we, cause I mean, I think you know where it's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we ran it anyways uh, and I just, I loved it. Like I, I almost wanted it cause I was going through and you can play the old episodes and I almost just wanted to listen to the, the 2017 Oregon one. Again.
0: I, um, okay, but okay. I want to talk about that show more because it, it has a special place in my heart that I don't think anything will ever take that show, that lineup on that show. But I'm still trying to figure figure out how, how and why I asked you to be on the show. I don't know. I don't know if you just wanted Did an I extra just think, person like, or, or what, but it was you, like, Corey, and David. That now time. I don't think I would call anybody. I didn't feel like I knew better at that point. <laughs> I don't know. I
1: don't know if we just interacted enough on Twitter. Is uh, that it? You, you would have me occasionally on in the spring, before the spring game, okay. to talk about... like what happened in the i would come on for like an extended like 20 minute interview to talk about okay. what happened in the spring set up the spring game you know we did that in 2015 and
0: I think it just led to, like, you just wanted someone else on the show I at did, that point I in time. Did. I, I totally did, but I feel like I know you so well and we've become such good friends now. It's weird to think about what it was <laughs> before then. Yeah. Before that, when yeah. I didn't know you at all, because I really got to know you through yeah. that show. I didn't know it you before it, and so I don't know why I did that, but I'm glad I did. Well, I am, too, and, like, I look at it now, and I think, like, I'm
1: glad I said yes to that. Yeah. Because it could have just, because I don't, I mean... A peek behind the curtain i'm pretty sure i didn't get paid it was just like hey is this something you want to do not a, i'm it's... fairly certain like you you like managed hey, to, to amy, get some gift just, cards amy go get yeah me. get
0: a, we <laughs> they did not give me the biggest budget to work with and so i got creative right with it, so. and so then
1: i think subsequently after that we kind of figured something else out but yeah i'm i'm really glad i did because that 2015 season even though it didn't go well for nebraska Every Friday I would be rolling out of there at like 9:15 in the morning just remembering like 15 insane things
0: that happened. The combination of personalities on that show is something I will never experience in radio again in my life. And yeah. I have no and I don't know if any of you even remember listening to it. I don't know. I, but I remember it, very specific instances it, and it, I always will. It's already a, you know, it's crazy already to do a a show with four people on it, but we hit some sort of balance of for those who don't know Dave. Dave is uh, let's see what what's about. Dave is hilarious, um, one of the top few funniest people I've met in my life. He's also I think he would not be offended at me saying this. He can be gruff. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, he'll tell. He's not too worried about what you think. Right. Um, and then I cold called Corey. So had Corey done it? Was that his first year too, or had he done it for? Long? I think you he had know? done it the year before. I cold called Corey prior to that, and I don't again. I don't know why or how I thought that might work, but I did. <laughs> I did, and he said yes to it. Yeah. I, had, I, I had heard him do something, but I'm gonna. So you you had Dave, which I think he is a, an incredible entertainer, yeah. hilarious, and not not like a giant sports fan either. And so having him there, then you got Corey, the former player. Now, normally the former player comes in and Mm -hmm. fills this role of, let me tell you about how it was. Let me tell you about all of the things that I did. Let me sort of be, you know, maybe even a little condescending is what. Corey Ross is none of those things. I mean, take every every stereotype you have of a former player, throw it out the damn window with Corey Ross. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. He is legit. I mean, he is one of the most fun, lowest ego, best people to have around. And, like, I mean, I'd say this as a complete compliment, but it's like bringing a kid in. Yeah. A, a kid who likes having <laughs> well, fun. Well, it's just it's total
1: high energy. He's just ready to have a good time. He knows football. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's it's not like he couldn't ask him to break down what happened on a specific play, and he couldn't do it. He absolutely could. But it was far more entertaining... To just kind of get him into this zany space where he's either telling you ridiculous stories from his playing days, ridiculous stories from his time in the NFL, ridiculous recruiting stories, mm-hmm. um, or he's just, like, being himself in a way that is so comfortable. Yes, that you... I don't know. You kind of crave to have that ability that you can walk into a room and you don't worry at all about how
0: anyone reacts to you. You have you have dealt with former players a lot. I'm sure. Have you? I mean, how exceptional was just his lack of? I don't even know how to describe it. Lack of ego. Lack of coming in the room with some sort of an expectation of everyone. Yeah, I mean, else? he was just, just there his, to hang. It was a hang.
1: <laughs> it was. He was. There literally... was a hang, and it was the microphones were on. Like I mean, he, he would have if. If that show didn't air, like, he wouldn't have known, no. but he still would have come to hang out to just discuss things and tell us how it went for him at Down the Hatch when he played poker
0: the night right. before. And he was more, in, here's the thing, he was more interested in us than he was about our perception of his career or right. our interest in his career. He was more interested in the little yeah. dumb things about us just a people than person. anything else. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't say enough about it. I mean, it was still, still waiting for you guys to have your Olympics, uh, where the, our racket know. sports thing, yeah, the bad boy Ross, I'm a pickleball, te- ball. I'm a tag him after this. He thinks he could beat me a racquetball and as don't, they're legit. I get it. You're a pro athlete, former pro athlete. <laughs> We're both different. We're both not in our physical prime anymore, but I will crush you it, Corey Ross pork chop as they call you. Let's get in there. It's still, oh, that's oh, still man. open. We'll do, we'll, do the, we'll do the racket sports triumvirate. Racquetball, pickleball, pickle, uh, pickleball, and I don't really play tennis, but I'll beat you in that. Yeah, too, you can you do badminton. Team. Badminton, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine as well. Which... No, the juxtaposition of Corey, who's
1: excited about everything, and Dave, who's excited about nothing. <laughs> that's exactly, that's a great
0: way it to was put it. was perfect. And then me and
1: you. Yeah, and we're just like, reacting
0: off of them the whole Me time. and you are probably the most similar people in the room to yeah. some degree. <laughs> because they Probably were on true, the yeah. on the outside of of this whole thing, right? And I'll post. it. I might need to post. Maybe you're all sick of it. Maybe you've heard it a million times, but I I'll post a link in the in the comments or in the description uh, because it's still on SoundCloud. Thank God. <laughs> but, <I laughs> but plays games. Our discussion of Corey Ross in the way that somehow we ended up playing Nintendo against each other. Corey brought an old Nintendo Entertainment System in that had Tecmo Bowl on it. And Sounds it, about right. it turned into—I mean—that two-minute segment basically sums up everything we talked about. <laughs> you know what? I might be able to embed. You know what? I might do. I might. You're just going to embed it in uh, there. If I can embed it in this, so right, right. If I can do that, I'll, I'll edit this later if it doesn't work. I'm going to embed the segment that I'm talking about, where we, we got into playing Tecmo Bowl like after the show, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl after the show, and Corey would, would talk smack about it and. All of those things, and we had a conversation about. It. So let's play that. Let's play that right now. Well, all right, Corey, I got to ask you. Oh, by the way, those stats you read for Patrick O'Brien sounds like a game. Uh, the offense I put up against Corey and Tecmo Super Bowl. Stop, oh, playing. Oh, Stop playing. Stop yeah.
1: playing. <laughs> I am playing. You guys should go play Blitz on Sundays. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't,
0: Let's do a Sunday. I will beat anybody in any game. Corey play, talks some weird trash when he plays Tecmo Super Bowl, just so you know. That is weird. Like, he'll score a touchdown and he'll say, I plays games. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, we're both playing this game. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, yes, you. You sp- said so bad, I, it makes me feel like I hope I don't say it that I, way. That's why, I, I exactly what exactly what you sound like. <laughs> touchdown, Sammy Winder. I, I plays games. So- okay, Corey. Congrats <laughs> on the touchdown. I don't know what that means. I love you, Corey. But you, 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 you said that. I was right there. You said that. <laughs>
2: Did you guys hear this story about? That, how, oh, go ahead. That just means I'm a gamer. I plays these games. I you, play games. You play. I play games. We are. It's a So game. when I score yes. and I do it the way I'm I playing like, the game, you, you too, you're, you're making it seem like I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no no. You're playing I, the game versus I play, me. I plays you, games. You get it? What is you're the game playing, that we're playing the game? But I plays games. That <laughs> I mean meaning. Don't play with me. That's the dumbest thing on the radio right <laughs> now. Dave, I can't, I can't, I mean, you and I aren't part of this, and I'm very happy
1: about it. Could <laughs> not be more excited.
2: All, all it means is that
0: my stick skills, meaning my fingers holding the controller, right. are yeah. ridiculous. Okay, well, why wouldn't you just say that? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier to say I play his game. But, uh, but then I'm so confused. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's the point. He's in your head. Already. All right.
0: All right. I'm gonna try. Can I try that sometime in my own life when I do? So is that appropriate? Like if I, like you know, make a really good dinner for the family. instead of the. I plays games. Would that be a good time? No, no, for no, that- not for dinner. No, no. Yeah, you can't say that for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> what would be an appropriate time? I want to be able to. You gotta be <laughs> like. You gotta be like. I'll- I cooks meals. <laughs> <laughs> You know who said that first? <laughs> Julia Childs. You say it all the time. I cook some meals. I cook some. Cook some real good. Oh, this <laughs> is what bi-week shows. This is what happened when we have to do bi-week shows. So there you go. Now you know what we were talking about. And even beyond that, I think the other thing, Mike, that you probably remember is The story Corey told once on the show. This is one of my favorites. My son and I talk about this. Uh, He didn't even hear it. He remembers me referencing it. He talked about his NFL career because he played. He got a decent. He had decent run in the NFL. A punt returner for the punt um, returner uh, for, the for the Ravens. Reds, yeah. Like there's so many h- former Huskers who are less successful than right. he was going forward, who are bigger jerks than he was. And mm-hmm. but he he talked about his first preseason with the Ravens. Was it preseason or the it was regular? I'm game. screwing up the story, but it doesn't no, it, was even a it was a preseason, game. A preseason yeah. game. And he was he not suited up or was he suited up or what was it? Do you remember? So he the was. Story? He was suited up. He was suited up, and he talked about how. He, they were Ooh. playing the Broncos. They were playing the Broncos, his childhood team. Childhood and team, he's diehard Broncos You talk about how he
1: was sitting there over on the sidelines like silently cheering for the Broncos in this <laughs> preseason game. Which, again, it doesn't count towards anything. These guys are just getting reps, and they're trying to make teams. And Corey Ross is rooting against his teammates <laughs> the way for talk. the sake of his childhood favorite team. And it was a greatest story, because you always hear about these professional athletes, and they end up on these teams that they didn't root for as right. kids. And just the idea that someone was like, yeah, I wanted the other team to win.
0: <laughs> I remember it, but the way he would tell the story, like, yeah. he was like, man, I was like, mm, every time Denver scored. <laughs> I was like,
1: mm. Okay. So two other things. We don't have to spend the whole time That's on Twitter. I have told this story to many friends because I still think it's the funniest thing that he's ever said. But he's talking about his recruiting visit, and Darren Diedrich was the host.
0: <laughs> I, know, I know
1: exactly what you're going And say. so Darren Diedrich's job as his host was to get him to Ron Brown's house some night in November of, like, 2000, whenever. Mm-hmm. So I think 2001 was his freshman redshirt year. So it was, like, November of 2000 or December of 2000, whatever. He visits. Snow snowing here. Darren Diedrich is supposed to drive him to, uh, to, to Ron Brown's house, and they're going to have dinner. And he's sitting and Darren Diedrich, like he's describes Darren Diedrich in a way that is both flattering and very unflattering. And so he's talking about how Darren Diedrich is this guy that like, everything's got to look nice. Like he's going to dress really sharp and he's going to drive a really nice car and it's going to be really clean and all of these things. And so he's with really sharp looking Darren Diedrich and Darren Diedrich's really nice car, which I think I want to say was like a charger or something like that, whatever. They're going to Ron Brown's house, and it snowed, and it's icy, and as we know, the city of Lincoln's not real big on snow removal, and so, uh, you know, there's a patch of black ice, and Darren Diedrich hits the black ice, <laughs> and Corey <laughs> explaining, Darren Diedrich's strategy upon hitting ice while driving a vehicle was to remove both hands from the wheel, put one like his hand covering his face because his face was the most important thing to Darren Deidre. His other hand covering that hand to try to shield any shards of glass that could be coming to his face. Meanwhile, no one's counter-steering in this car. And Corey's telling this story, and he's just dying because he's just like, this is what a pretty boy he was. We had a patch of black ice, and he's covering his face. I just remember telling people that story, and they're like, that can't be true. I was like, I, look, Corey told it to. It me. So good. I believe it. So the other one that I remember, and we could never find because it, he existed in the land before Huddle. Yeah. He wanted us. He wanted me badly, and I tried, and I tried, and I called, and I made all these different calls. He wanted me to find his high school recruiting film. Oh. I went to Nebraska, and I was like, hey. You know, I, I talked to a couple people in their recruiting office, a couple people in the SID, the the sports information. And I was like, hey, so Corey Ross wants to know, because you used to have these videos that they would put together. They would like
0: send VHSs. Mm-hmm. yeah."
1: And so I was like, do you have any access to his highlight film? Because he claims it's the greatest highlight film that anyone's ever had in the history of highlight films. And I tried for like a month to find these highlights to get them back to Corey. And I just could not do it. But him talking about... He was like, man, I had this sick juke. And it was like, whee! And you just you make up these sound effects and they don't make any sense. Like, what is we? What does
0: that mean? Like, is that a juke? Is it a spin move? Did you hurdle a guy? He, he, he talked, I was like, wee I remember this. He talked up the legend of this tape like yeah. it was the greatest thing you'll ever see in your he's life. Like, he, he's, just
1: like, he's like, how much tape do you watch? I was like, I try not to watch
0: that much, but some. He's like... I got the best tape you've ever seen. You've ever seen. <laughs> I was the, like, wait! He, he, anything, and then he switched two minutes later. He was like, did you see Grey's Anatomy last <laughs> night? <laughs> Which, again, like, the other side of you, Corey and Dave and lo- myself. I loved talking about Grey's Anatomy and Adele. And Adele, and Adele. We're over and, at the venue and, and we're just talking about Adele and, and you there's like a Thursday night football
1: game on and you're like trying to get us to talk about the football game. And Dave and I are talking about our favorite. Adele. We all went, I went on our block. you guys Adele all drinks. Cuts. Yeah, together.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Adele comes on like right when she was at her peak of yeah. the hello from the other side. Excuse thing. You. She's still and, at her peak. And the, okay. And then Corey. It, <laughs> And Corey just starts, gro- I mean, he was feeling the music. Like, he was in the middle of telling us a story about, like, his CTE settlement with the NFL, and then Adele comes on, and it's like, the whole thing stops. Yeah. The whole story stops so you can groove out to Adele. So, uh, you, you a Seinfeld person? Hmm? Yes. It, so, like, the
1: Desperado would come on with Elaine's
0: boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he would, like, shut <laughs> That's what Corey was like when Adele came on, you know? Oh, gosh. Uh, and and then the uh, the only uh, oh my gosh we've got it this can't be a, co- a conversation just me and you about Corey Ross, but you he's <laughs> that he's, fun, that, yeah, he's that he's that funny. The other thing is there is not an alternate uniform that that guy has seen that he doesn't think is the greatest thing since sliced yeah, bread. because the next year you created the Corey Ross Ooh, ooh! system. <laughs> we said <laughs> we made a system with. Every time he saw a uniform, but he was not critical of any no, of them. There was no alternate that was bad. Every uh, child was his favorite. Ev- everything, but like when we go, I'd show, like, hey, did you see uh, see Air Force is wearing this new uh, uniform this weekend that has like actual aircraft carriers on the helmet? I'd turn the screen and he'd go,
2: oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: God. <laughs>
1: He oh, would like spin himself in his so chair too. It was
0: so, it was so good.
1: Like he would spin all the way around in the swivel chair.
0: Oh, he would get yeah. so excited yeah. about alternate uniforms. Just incredible. Oh, okay, all right. Let I, I want. I'm I'm gonna offer this to you now. At some point in our lives. I don't know if our, our we're gonna make our employers do it, but we bring back that lineup of Friday Husker Tailgate, hundred percent in for a podcast, but only if we put together our top ten and
1: we bicker about it for thirty five minutes. Because <laughs> that was the other thing about that show that was great is the eight o'clock hour was basically <laughs> helmet stickers, in which Dave once gave one to the left upright for blocking Wisconsin,
0: <laughs> he gave him one to the guy who shot off the fireworks,
1: and he gave one to the hot dog guy. <laughs> Because that's how serious that show was at the time.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun.
0: Yeah, you get it. I, I'm telling you, we would, we would dominate. No offense to uh, you know Bruns and Kristofferson and all the other great pot. We put that podcast out right now, <laughs> right now during the Scott Frost era. Yeah. We would be we'd be leading the charts with that combo. Look, if people need
1: entertainment in uh, in the face of just utter sadness. Yeah. We could we were doing it in 2015, Jeez. week in a week out.
0: Alright, I want to hear about you. Uh tell me about uh, growing I'm, not, t- I'm t- not nearly as interesting <laughs> as remembering twenty
1: fifteen.
0: No, uh tell me uh tell me about Columbus growing up. Tell me about your life. Tell me I don't I mean I don't even know how much I know.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh grew up in Columbus, Nebraska, the son of a probation officer and a elementary school teacher. Uh which meant that I could never really get in trouble at any level. Like ever.
0: <laughs> the two big ones covered, huh? Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, I could not, the biggest fear I ever had was getting like an MIP in Platte County because then it was like, my dad basically had prepped me for this when I was eight years old. He's like, if you ever have to go to court, they're going to have to bring in a special prosecutor, (laughs) like all of these things to make
0: sure every, there's conflicts
1: of interest everywhere. And he capped it off with, and you're not that important. (laughs) Look at you. You can't even spell your name. I'm like 8 years old or whatever at the time. Um he's like I don't know what you little Mike's like
0: I don't know what you're talking about MIP. <laughs> right. So,
1: <laughs> like that that was like a it was drilled into me as a child it was like you cannot get into any sort of serious trouble in Columbus because it'll just be worse in every way possible for you than any of your friends anybody else. And my mom taught at a different school district, so that wasn't as big of a deal, but she was also a teacher that felt like I needed to be perfect in everything, and so the worst night of every single year was parent-teacher conferences, uh. because she would like go there and collect as much info. Like, as much information as possible. And the teachers could be like, yeah, Mike's doing fine, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe he talks a little bit too much in class, and she'd be, like, writing in a notebook, and she'd come back, and like, who are you talking to? What's so important that you're not paying attention to Spanish? She goes in, and she knows the game. Most people's parents, but she knows... She was decidedly unchill about education. (laughs) Like, I got grounded more for bringing home, like, Bs and Cs on tests or whatever or report cards than anything I ever did wrong. Wow. Like it was just and then I followed a brother that was like a four point oh student and a total dork and then whatever. <laughs> you know, so it was like my sister and I are basically, you know, we're at the three point two on the four point scale, like mm-hmm. some some A's, the you know, some B's, whatever. Averages out fine. Mm-hmm. Match like four mm-hmm. and that's who I'm following. And it's basically just like, well, Matt got an A in trigonometry and you're, you're taking basic principles of math. What's going on
0: here? Oh, no. It's like,
1: well, I'm not smart. Oh, what do you want? No. You know, so, so that was, I mean, that was basically like the bulk of my. My childhood existence, in addition to the normal stuff of sports and everything else, right? So, hitting the Godfathers, yeah. Oh, best Godfathers. Oh, God. I have
0: heard you talk about that Godfather's. Yeah. In Col- Shelby just-
1: gets so, my wife gets so mad because Columbus people can't help but talk about how great that Godfather. Okay, number is. one, is it still open? Yeah, they don't. Uh, so the reason that it was particularly awesome, and you will understand this because Lincoln was like this for a while. They had, like, a super cheap lunch buffet. Oh, yeah. Well, it used to be three ninety nine dollars for I was in all l- you can eat.
0: You know. <laughs> well, the, the Lincoln <laughs> one, number one, the Lincoln one had that, but this was when I was in law school. That was a big thing. The one on North 48th Street. Mm-hmm. Not only was it, like, three ninety nine for all you could eat at lunch, but you also got a shot to shoot a Nerf basketball in the loop. No. The well, whole they thing- changed it
1: to a free drink when I was in college.
0: Okay, well, I was in 2000, 2001 through 2003. If you made that, you didn't pay anything. Yeah. <laughs> I think they lost <laughs> enough on that that they changed it's it It's no to- wonder they're not freaking open yeah. anymore.
1: They changed it to a free drink because a buddy and I, every Monday, would go, like, my sophomore or junior year of college. And we were both proficient enough that, like... yeah three out of the four Mondays of the month, we were not paying for whatever right. beverage. We, we
0: would go in, that we would load up a car of like six guys, mm-hmm. and we would just like mentally focus and talk about that nerf shot, and like, guys, we can walk <laughs> out. What's so funny to me
1: <laughs> is you're in law school in Nebraska, and across the way is the original Valentino's, and you're just We go out there
2: playing it. tailing that.
0: Too, but when they had the basketball shot available, I mean, we we would talk about it. We're like, we're about to go in here and eat probably a, a $100 right worth of food where you would pay yeah the counter it was on yep. the counter. You, you stood behind the counter and they had it up on like under where a menu would be at, and like, it a wasn't food a restaurant. nerf basketball it was like a rubbery small
1: blue basketball i think
0: i thought ours it was, was actual
1: black. nerf but i could be wrong yeah. i remember you it you know what i'm nerf. talking about i don't know that it's rubber but it's like the synthetic
0: material yeah, like foamy
1: like uh no there's it's air in there
0: Oh really? Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, there's a couple of people who might listen to this who will remember that <laughs> that North 48th. Yeah. So I'm talking to you, Scott. I'm talking to you, Marty. I'm talking to you, a few of the others who would be listening to this who are with me, uh, actually doing that. So, um, but I've just heard you you, you talk about that. W- were you guys ordering it? Were you ordering it like delivery normally, uh, so or what my, was what was your Godfather's experience? I guess
1: there's there's a couple different parts to it. There's like when I got old enough to drive and i could meet friends to go to lunch there in the summer um there was a our baseball coach did this sort of deal where like once a year there'd be this series whoever we were playing if you like he'd give you an objective if you were a pitcher is basically you needed to have like one completely clean inning or whatever and he would order each guy if they hit their objective and he kind of made it so everyone was going to he would order each guy their own pizza and so it'd be like after conditioning towards the end of the season when we didn't really have anything to play for, anyways, we'd all basically just be hanging out in the outfield eating slices of uh, Godfather's pizza or whatever. So there's that aspect. There's growing up, my dad was in this like endless war against Pizza Hut. <laughs> he just, he hated Pizza Hut.
0: I'm telling you, that like, sounds like a line from I, King of Queens or something. Like I it. wish
1: that, <laughs> I wish there was a way that you could meet my father. Uh, pre his stroke of 2018, mm-hmm. he's he's still there mentally to a degree, but it would explain me in ways that I think okay. that you would pick what up. What was the beef with pizza? He hated their sauce. It was the sauce. <laughs> and it, but it wasn't even that he didn't like the taste of the sauce. It was that like somehow he had this amount that he felt like was a <laughs> sufficient amount that could be on a pizza. And... Oh, my gosh, this explains so much, by the way. Pizza Hut would go slightly over that amount or whatever, and he would just be out on it forever. And then my mom would, like, basically be like, she kind of likes Pizza Hut and my sister or whatever. And so, you know, she would sort of, like, rally against his, like, anti-Pizza Hut stance that we would have it occasionally. But a lot of times it was Godfathers.
0: (laughs) So it explains so much right now. So (laughs) your irrational pizza hatred... Is something you can't still, control because you were born with it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it, it could be like an Lady Gaga trait. said
0: you were born that I, way.
1: I only came out against Valentino's from a place of having
0: came out. You made it sound like you had a press conference. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, it was a formal thing over there in uh, in Central Lincoln, in my former residence. You know, invited several media members. Nobody showed up, but you know, uh, yeah, I. I got so burned out on it because it was at every single press conference, sporting event, everything, and I just felt like I had it too much, and then it just stopped tasting good at all. And then it felt like people only sort of liked it because of its affiliation with Nebraska.
0: Ugh, so now, if
1: false. you were to, like bring up, okay, go to the Valentino's buffet when you were in college on like a Sunday night, yeah, okay, that was awesome. But if it's just like getting straight their pizza, first of all,
0: when I ha- w- when I had it, Mike, it was a special night. Only a yeah. special night. it, did it we totally have it. lost it by about twenty thirteen, and we wasn't uh, I wasn't going to football press conferences. Mm-hmm. They didn't have it in foot at at Memorial Stadium. Okay, I was I was actually selling it the first year they sold it at Memorial Stadium. Literally, I were was you doing though, or that? were
1: you just standing off to the side listening and watching? That, I almost got
0: fired because. <laughs> What was your quota of how many pizzas you needed? to So sell? I can take you back to the actual 1994 Nebraska-Colorado game. Very famous game in Nebraska history. Uh, BC and uh, Brunswick
1: talk about it endlessly.
0: Yeah, well... Is that the, the October... No, 92 is the October one. 92 the was the one? Halloween. 94 yeah. was the what? The 200th? Uh, one of the milestone sellouts. Okay. Uh, Brooke Berenger was... But that he, wasn't he was a Black Friday thing. game. No, it was earlier in the year that year. Can we have a discussion because you still had you had Oklahoma at the end of yeah. the year still. Can we have a discussion about
1: how that switched and it's weird that my only real memory of Colorado is only playing on the day after Thanksgiving.
0: So that happened after the Big 12, right? It was the Big 12. It could have been, yeah. Yeah, it was the, it was it was the Big 12 just so of the divisions. is when it would have started. So, yeah. Was that a big deal at the time? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was. Like, people were, like, furious but, that they weren't playing
0: Oklahoma. But the thing is, day. like, in 90, 95, 96, the Oklahoma rivalry after Gary Gibbs came in, and it just was lopsided at sure. that point. It wasn't mm-hmm. interesting for the most part. Uh, in 95, 96, Nebraska beat them, like, 73-21 yeah. uh, under John Blake. And so the Colorado game got all the attention. But that 94 game against Colorado, uh, which was a huge game, two top 10 teams, uh, I got... I, so I got my pizza, got my Valentino's pizza at the beginning, and here's how I, here's how it worked. You had to buy it. Yeah, and you essentially you you had to active. buy it for, and you it's for like 10, you're a hair person, and you're buying the chair. Yeah, exactly. You had to buy it, and like you would keep ten percent. It was you had to you sold it for <laughs> a ten percent markdown from what you bought it from, essentially, or ten sure. percent more than you yep. bought it from. You got to keep the profits. Well. My my strategy was, and I had done popcorns. I had done Runza, and my final years I did Valentino's, including that year in '94. I would go buy it at the beginning of the game, and I would go stand by one of the entrances. Everybody was coming in, hungry, sometimes drunk, all of those Mm -hmm. things, and it was—I mean, it was great. It was easy. I mean i am do is stand up, boom, 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 boom. Right, you the come in. The easiest way I need... for me to buy a beer when I walk into a baseball stadium
1: is when right, the right first there.
0: person who standing there. the First thing I'm, you do—that's where my business is going a piece every of pizza. time. Then the game starts, and it's not as easy. Sure. And I want to watch that damn game. Hmm. So what I did, I would go to East Stadium, right in the center, fifty-yard line, and I would go up, and I'd be—I'd walk up with my little cardboard box, pizza. Hey, here we go, here we go, pizza. You want it? I'd get to the top, and then I would stand against the wall. Under the overhang on right, the yeah. east in the East Stadium, put my pizza down. And I would watch football for forty-five minutes. <laughs> How many pizzas did you have to buy? And so I went back down, and that year, that year they finally got wise to me. And I remember, I brought it down afterwards, and it was the first I cleared one box between pregame and the beginning of the game sure. and there were kids out there who were there to make money. Sure. And they had already Future politicians. They too. had already sold they had already sold fifteen boxes mm-hmm. of this thing. And I brought it and they would mark them off and you brought them. and I brought it back. I was like, I'm ready for a new one. Very proud. They're like, if you're not here to sell pizza, we're gonna have to let you go. And I said, look, I don't know, it's slow out there today. <laughs> I don't know what's happened. The sorry that I had to wait till halftime to come back down and get more pizza. The fan base doesn't want pizza, they want blood. But I got, and you know what would happen? There were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, Saturdays, especially when I sold popcorn because nobody wanted popcorn on certain nights or certain times. I would take a loss financially, but, (laughs) or because I gave somebody a 20 and I meant to give them a 10 or something like that. There were, I, I mean, I think net, my net income from that job from, I think I did it 1990 to 1994. I probably did it four years. It was a good $30. $30 to $40. What made you want to do it, just being in the stadium? Getting in the stadium for free. That's it. Getting in the stadium for free. Being there and not having a ticket that was so intoxicating. Oh, okay. That idea to me to go in there, to be in there, and be able to watch the games and experience And Every day I know I'm going to the game. I don't have a ticket. That's fine. Which I wouldn't have had at that time in my life necessarily. Uh, my dad was a student, a uh, uh, grad student in the '80s, so I did go. I when I was um, when I was younger, I got to pick two games to go to every year. My mom went to the other ones, mm-hmm. which I can't believe my dad did that after. Now that I think of it, but I only got two games. So, first year yeah, was pretty good compared first, to most people. But I got to pick the games. Yeah, I got to pick the games. Eighty six was the first year we lived here, and I picked my first draft pick. Of course, I picked the Oklahoma game, nineteen eighty six, which was the game that Nebraska were all red in red pants, mm-hmm. red shirts. Um, and that was uh, the first game was Oregon, uh, which they played, which is weird. But I went to that. But I went to that all red game. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> and and uh, and they lost to Brian Bosworth and Keith Jackson and and i cried my eyes out while my dad nine-year-old uh walked to the reunion which was the old rec center out there or okay. the old, old place on on uh, uh student union area but that that was it so i don't remember where i started with this thing it was about godfathers to begin but nonetheless <laughs> n- nonetheless i want to hear about you though we don't this is sure. not a story of a time about Sorry. me though that's fine it's fine um you put pl- you were uh what You play baseball, I know. You're a good baseball player. Uh, Good is relative. Uh, You've sounded good. I had
1: fleeting moments of success. I actually had a friend text me the other day. He was in Elkhorn. I don't know. He was watching a Legion baseball game or something. I'm not sure why. But uh, it was the scene of one of my more disastrous moments where on back-to-back-to-back batters, I gave up a home run, a home run, and then a triple off the wall. And I'm telling you, these two home runs were just bombs. The only ones that I, the only home run I know that went further than those, I was playing fall league baseball here in Lincoln on Sundays, my uh senior year, and it was perfect because the guy coaching the team was like, All right, you're gonna pitch seven innings, one of the two games, and then we'll just do whatever for the other game. Like five guys will pitch. So It was awesome. And the other guys sort of hated me because I got as much work as I wanted. Well, we're playing, um, Lincoln Northeast and there's this left-handed hitter up and I, you know, really struggled with lefties because I pitched outside on righties. And it's like, I didn't have the same pinpoint control. Not that I ever really had it against right or, or against lefties. And so I hung something. And we're playing on the practice field at Northeast where there's like jeez, oh, there's really no fence, the yeah. ball can just no, go
0: I play, I play there my my I play there, yeah. my son has played there, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, so
1: this left handed hitter crushes one so far that it clears the area where the baseball is at and goes on to the football practice yeah yeah, and I felt like that ball was just sailing for and I've tweeted about this at times when I've watched major league pitchers pitch and you like you release a ball and you know it's bad and then the guy hits it and you make yourself watch it out of this internal level of hatred for yourself <laughs> that i can only really replicate in sports like i am unbelievably hard on myself for certain things and one of them was pitching in baseball and i would just be like saying things to myself as I'm waiting for the result of this ball to clear the fence, and so but this buddy texted me He's like, yeah, I'm at the side of the uh, of your your <laughs> like home, run, home run home run field. <laughs> yeah, and
0: I was like, man, if there is only highlights oh, I of that. The, Elkhorn was in the prime at that point. Though. Oh, they were Elkhorn. good. About from when I went to high school mm-hmm. to shortly after that, they were that was the place to
1: be. They've always just been this like really good sports community. I mean, I my like seventh through eighth grade year. Uh, Columbus played. Columbus was led by Brian, um, I don't know if they changed the pronunciation of his last name at this point, but we used to call him Massick, and it's now Mushick or whatever it was. He's the all-time leader for passing yards at UNO before the
0: program ended. Oh, he was see, a quarterback hold on, there. Hold on. Uh, M-A-S-E-K? Uh, yeah. Huh. Our sales manager at work has got that same okay. name. They and pronounce so- Mushick.
1: Yeah, so he was this really, really good quarterback, and Columbus football was never particularly good, but that year they were incredible. But their first game of the year, they played Elkhorn and they got absolutely blitzed. Like, just, they were beat like 48 to 10, and then went on a run where they didn't lose again until they played the like Barrett rood Nick Baugh, Southeast Juggernaut at Lincoln, Secret, or at, at Seacrest. Yeah. And lost in the semifinals to like the right. eventual state champion. And my cousin Derek was yeah. on that team. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to cousin Derek. <laughs> I traveled up there. It was my first experience at Seacrest. <laughs> By the end of the first quarter, I think Columbus was down twenty-one. 0 well
0: they so. were good. They were good before that because my senior year we went down there. Yeah. Well, they, uh ninety five like, teams they had well it was Troy it was yeah. Troy Walkthorn. Oh yeah. You know, uh, at that point he hadn't gone said where he was going. It was like Notre Dame is in on him, yeah. right? Lou Holtz might be coming down for a game, something like that. We lost I think we lost forty two to zero. Dang. We no, lost. I mean there were there
1: was like fleeting moments, but Columbus football was really sort of boring because they only had like five plays. It was still yeah, that, well, case. All was still that case when I was in high school and my friends would be talking about it. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go play Grand Island. They're going to call out what we're running as we're running it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, you know, uh,
0: that, when you have a coach that's been there for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. So um, did you go to college wanting to be a sports writer, sports media?
1: Yeah. It's interesting because with the news, I don't know if you saw this. um Grand Island Northwest like eliminated their high school journalism program. It looked incredibly stupid. Um, that bothers me on a really, really fundamental level because I don't think I'm sitting here talking to you right now. If I hadn't taken newspaper in high school, because I don't, you know, as a sophomore, I took it because my brother was on it as a senior and I just thought it was cool. Once a month, you know, I'd be able to read something that he wrote. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then I, I wanted to do it and, Honest to God, like it it focused me on something that people thought that I did well. Because when you're like fifteen years old, you don't really know what your skill levels are for anything. You know there's like you're good at video games, you can stay up and drink a lot of Mountain Dew and eat Cheetos um You know, and you're good at getting acne. That's what fifteen years old is.
0: (laughs) I was But you don't know what other
1: talents you have and, and like you know they have those idiotic tests that you can take that try to funnel you into like oh this is what you're you know yeah you know this is you, what you can get career ed but yeah. when you're in eighth grade you're just filling in the bubbles and you're not even reading the questions you know so yeah. i had no real focus as to what i wanted to do but i had enough teachers tell me that i wrote well and then i started doing this newspaper thing and it just like it clicked and then in- you know, one of the, I think it was my junior year. I wrote like 800 words about Nebraska basketball. And it was like, wait, people read this. Wait, people were telling me they enjoyed this. <laughs> and it just became like, Oh, well I grew up. My first ever job was delivering the world Herald. I would race my brother every day to see which one of us would get done first. Cause then we get to read the sports section, mm-hmm. grew up reading Tom Chattel and Lee and, mm-hmm. you know, all of those people. And I wanted to be a columnist. Like, I, you know, by the time I left as a senior in high school, I wanted my, like, goals were to go to college, get the degree, get an internship somewhere, eventually become a columnist at a major metro newspaper.
0: Isn't it, it, it's interesting to hear you say that, because I talked to, I think this is the third or fourth time that I've talked to someone um, between the ages of me and you uh, on this podcast, you know, whether it was, I know Sean Callahan and I had Mm -hmm. this conversation, I know others. But man, were column sports columnists influential? The king of the world on our gener- on, on yeah. the generation that starts with you and ends with I mean, me.
1: I remember getting home, and it was on Thursdays. Sports Illustrated would get delivered, and I would get home, and I would go get the mail, and we'd have the new Sports Illustrated, and I would flip to the very last page, and I would read Rick Riley first. I would go and read Rick, and I. it's not even like I really particularly liked Rick Riley. It right. was just entertaining. It was always something, you know, it, it's, it's funny to think about it because I I feel fortunate that I grew up when I did because the internet's prevalence hadn't completely taken off at that point, and you couldn't just go get whatever you wanted anywhere. So you kind of had to have, like, the World Herald being delivered to you and Sports Illustrated coming to your house, or I don't know that I would have connected in the same way with sports media had i just been able to go in go on twitter follow a writer click on his article i don't know that it would deliver me the same level of satisfaction because it
0: was about for me you had to find it for me it was about the morning wake up in the morning every morning literally every morning pour myself a huge bowl of cereal pop darts for me or waffles keep the box out because i'm gonna have a refill and read that sports page Every every section, every article, and, and get excited about the thing. And then yeah. not only the front page, all the columns, but then go through the box scores, the lead
1: leaders, all of that. We love the box scores. We'd be going through the box scores because, like, you know, you grow up, he was a Cubs fan, I was a Cleveland Indians fan. It like, wasn't like I was watching. <laughs> there was no Bally Sports when I was 10 years old.
0: MLB.tv, I would, right?
1: I would basically just be, like, looking at a newspaper, oh, Albert Bell hit a home run. This is great. They won six to four over Detroit. Yeah. I didn't see any highlights. Right. I don't know what happened. I don't even know what Charles Nagy looks like, but he was a pitcher of record. And that was a great save by Paul Shuey. Right. You know, like that was, right. It, it's so weird to think about that because I was at the tail
0: end of it. Just like yeah, I was I'm at the actually very surprised based on my sort of calculating your age. I'm actually surprised to hear that. I didn't even I didn't even know yeah. that you did catch the tail end of that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely you were the end. Well, and <laughs> of a lot of things. No, <laughs> um, I mean I remember when
1: Sunday night baseball was a huge deal. Yeah, because there was no other way for me to watch a team. I remember in 2007, sitting in my dorm room in Lincoln, realizing if I pay, if I figure out how to pay five dollars to MLB.com. I'll be able to listen to every Cleveland baseball game as long as I have an internet connection. And so, that's how I did it. And that's like, you know, I was a fan up until 2007. And then suddenly, it was a whole new world of like, oh, every day I'm hearing about these players. I'm hearing stories about them. I'm like, the coverage of it it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. because, So, I actually really developed this rabid following of tom hamilton their play-by-play guy on on radio because i spent an entire year where they were on the precipice of
0: going to the world series listening to him call the game it's it's interesting to hear you say that because i um i had growing up i had i did kind of like baseball what i do with nfl now which is bounce between teams mm-hmm. and i didn't have i i liked the royals i went to the royals but then they got in 2002 2003 they got on time warner spectrum the 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 original version of the RSNs yeah. the regional sports networks the fox sports and it was networks. on every night yeah and once it was on every night for the i wasn't a brave because i didn't ever get into Braves and Cubs were still on yep. every night they were on every night yeah There's, pretty much no-
1: everyone i knew rooted for the Braves Cubs the Yankees like yeah. that was growing up like those were the three baseball yes.
0: teams yes and so and, the, and then you had in the 90s when i was when i was in high school they had i rem- i can still remember the song for ESPN baseball Tuesday, Friday, under the lights, Wednesday, baseball tonight, watch it Sunday, watch the fun, Sunday night, our home run. So Tuesday, Friday, Wednesday, and Sunday, there were games on, Yeah, which I would watch, but I didn't, I hadn't, and on radio, you had the Royals, you had Denny, you had, mm-hmm. you had Denny at that point, but I didn't sit down and listen to the whole things, but for me, it was 2002, 2003. The Angel Barroa years for the Royals. They right, had that a, random year in two thousand three where they were really good. For yes, about, at the
1: beginning. That up was a, until September. That was about it. It was like Mike McDougall, Ken Harvey. Yeah, Angel Baroa, uh, Ken Harvey would have been on that team. I think David DeJesus and Johnny Damon.
0: I yeah, think, might have been on that. It team. was the. It was the. I think Damon was gone by then. But it maybe was did the, Jermaine f- Die. It was the. No, he was way gone by then. But uh, he was like two thousand. You're you're wrong. Um, I'm looking this up. Jermaine Dye was not on the 2003 team, nor was Damon. The manager Jeremy was, was uh, Tony Pena. Tony Pena. Sure. We believe,
1: mom. We believe. Like, Nosotros Crememos or whatever was like the big. We believe. Yeah. hmm We be, Yeah. That's.
0: Yep. That, that, was, that uh, was the whole thing. No, you, I, Jason I Grimsley. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was there for yeah, the amazing
1: he- moment where Ken Harvey's elbow went into Jason Grimsley's face when they both tried to field a bunt. I remember that. It was a game against the Red Sox. My dad always took me to those because he was a big Red Sox fan. So we'd go watch the three games that the Royals and the Red Sox would play in Kaufman. And that was one of those games. <laughs> is Ken Harvey's el- like I thought that he had died on the field. Honestly, I thought Jason Grimsley was dead.
0: On the field, and that Ken Harvey's elbow was going to be sentenced to prison. I got to see Jason Kendall get kicked out of a game at Kauffman Stadium once.
1: <laughs> My favorite Onion piece of all time is about how the uh, Jason Kendall is massively popular in Japan because he sacrificed and bunted one time. <laughs> like it's, I gotta find this piece because like the fake quotes are incredible <laughs> and maybe vaguely racist. <laughs> But it was—I still laugh about that
0: story. Yeah, Jason was, Kendall lauded as hero in Japan. I saw Jason Kendall. Himself. I was at a game in about that era, oh two, oh three, where he lost his mind about a call. He threw a bunch of trash on the field and stuff and that sort of thing. But.
2: That's the weird thing about baseball, Mike, is until I was able
0: to watch a team every night, I... Couldn't get into I it. I didn't get into... I like the sport. But, I mean, I watch World Series every year. I mean, I can tell you every... I, I pulled up the 1993 All-Star game the other day and watched it on my retro screen over there. That's my retro screen. And I watched I assume it. assume you're not talking about it. With. No, that that little TV VCR combo. This is great because it's like someone's dorm room. I have a dorm, for those who can't see it, which is everyone, I have a dorm fridge and then a microwave on top of it and then an old Toshiba TVR, TV VCR combo, which I only put, I play old MTV music videos on there and old sporting events on there when I'm working to keep nice. me entertained. I turned on the 93 All Star game in uh, Camden Yards and I went through and they did all the lineups and brought everybody out. Mike, I knew every, Like just on a visual immediately. Yeah. I knew every single one of those guys. Didn't take it took nothing for every single one. This year I watch way more it's a crazy thing. I watch ten times more baseball probably than I did then, actual games, and I couldn't I bet I could do twenty percent.
1: Well, it also hurts that there's probably 70 all-stars now versus like
0: True, but the, still even if the even the if you 40, took the whatever. top ones. Yeah. Even if you took the top ones, it's the same thing. I couldn't I mean I couldn't believe it. I was like I knew right off the bat, maybe that's just about getting old and having things maybe that was about baseball cards. I don't know what it was exactly. What do you think the perfect age is for a sports fan? It's interesting. I peaked in my For me, um <laughs> see the the Sort of the, well, what define that question better? So, first. um, I I
1: think about this a lot because how I am as a sports fan now is very different than how I would have been when I was eighteen or when I was like twenty two. And what I mean by that is now I'm so familiar and I read so much about the inner workings of like how the CBA works and how all of these things affect my baseball team mm. that I get really mad that you know this guy. Larry Dolan never spends any money. never met Larry Dolan in my life, but I hate him because he's a miserly owner of the Cleveland Guardians. Mm -hmm. There was a time in life when you could watch sports and not know anything about any of the front office workings, who the owners were. You only knew the players on the field, and you just assumed that that was good enough because you assumed that everybody was trying to win. But now in this age of where there's a process and tanking and suck for luck, and all of these different things, it gets revealed to you that not everyone is attempting to win. So it's sure. such a weird dynamic when that trips. And I feel like when you're around 14 to 17, maybe 18. I was going to say like 13 High school to age, sports fandom, because you can't devote your life to it because you got enough other things going on mm-hmm. that you know, you, you can't just sit there and know everything about it but you're not so deep into it that you know what players on your team are close to super two status mm-hmm. and therefore won't get called up or whatever it is. So I, I what I mean by that is like I really think the best time in your life to be a sports
0: fan is when you're in high school. Yeah. Well, guess what my high school years were? <laughs> right? 1992
1: to 1996. Mine was the uh the end of Frank, the start of uh Bill and uh, yeah, so 2005 would have been the last, my senior year of high school. Yeah. My- I remember finishing the ACT, going and watching Nebraska play Texas Tech, and then being really mad at Lakeven Smith
0: at the end of that game. I was at that game. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that game. That game still hurts. Yeah, I was I was 92. I mean, my, the we created a monster with my exact people my age. I mean, 90, your 90? high school, my high school was 93, 94, 95, 96. Yeah. I was, th- and, then coll- and then two years of college and 97 in college. Yeah. Unfortunately, you and Michael Greller are over there in northwest <laughs> Iowa. Come on, Greller. Come on the podcast, you jerk. Let's talk about 97 in Michigan. <laughs> Let's Once talk again. about Jordan Spieth. Come on. Wh- whatever. Did you, you watch that video? Yeah, I did. It sounded great. exactly like how he used to argue with me about things. <laughs> direct a matter of fact yes is annoying it made me mad <laughs> made me mad i wanted to made me say want to say something bad about scott dreisbach or something um former michigan quarterback for those who don't remember uh uh hold on before we uh i don't uh I don't where we're at we can go a little bit longer um did you work as like a reporter about the railroads at some point <laughs> sure that did, you told yeah. me once when we were yeah. out having drinks
1: so, um, my first job out of college, you know I went to South Dakota State to start my college career, right? Yeah, We're you've told me that. that? It's, yeah. I
0: mean, I might have forgotten, Right, but you might have told me. So,
1: I went to South Dakota State, <laughs> came no, to Nebraska, graduated in
0: three years, got a
1: job back in Columbus at the Telegram, which was basically like what I assume what it would feel like to be drafted or to to go through your like college baseball career, not get drafted, and then go play for like the town summer team, you know, <laughs> like that's made up by a by a bunch of guys that like never were, but they can't let go. <laughs> this sounds really bad because there's good people at the Telegram, but that's how it felt. Okay, and so you know, I it was the only job I had. Is 2010 is a horrible time to graduate college, a horrible time yeah. to try to enter old yeah. media. Yeah. Just everything about it is bad. The it's journalism college was completely unprepared for that moment in time different conversation different podcasts but so i go back and i'm like there and you know it's it's fine like i'm covering high school teams that i know and people that i know and whatever it's all fine and eventually i'm like i gotta get out of here i want to go back to lincoln i want to be back in a actual metropolis uh versus being you know in the place where you grew up and i just start looking at jobs in lincoln and i have a A friend that was working at a place here in town where the primary function of it was to write newsletters for the railroad. And (laughs) I interview. Um, they hire me because frankly I think they were hiring. Did you hear that
0: and you were like, Hell yeah. No. Give me in on
1: that. So my thing was if I get back to Lincoln, I can figure out how to find a way to cover Nebraska. And so take that job start in February of twenty what? February of twenty eleven. Um uh, by March of twenty eleven I had already gotten uh traver- or you know, conversed with Mike Babcock who set me up with Huskers Illustrated. Huskers Illustrated was moving from Rivals at the time to twenty four seven Sports. Twenty four seven Sports couldn't for whatever reason nobody wanted the job to be the beat reporter and They went through a couple different people they tried to get, couldn't get them. They end up calling Brunts out in California. He takes the job. He's not showing up till the spring game. So they don't have anyone to cover that team before he's getting there for the spring game. So I'm immediately put in a position to already start covering the team for 24-7 sports. So I created a connection doing that. In the meantime, every day between 8 and 5, when I'm in Lincoln, I'm sitting in an old Korean grocery store that has been modified into the offices of this place that I'm working at, and I am writing about trains, train safety, uh, new hires at the railroad, um, weather patterns that could be, you know, Gosh. potentially problematic for the trains. is this for, for
0: like a newsletter or a website? It's for a website? newsletter.
1: It's a company called Newslink. Uh, they got government contracts to go in and, um, you know, write these newsletters. And so I would travel the country like I had these accounts in different places and one of them was in like Topeka and Wichita and, you know, those aren't particularly great. I was up in Aberdeen, whatever, but I also had like Nashville and I was in the deep South. And so three of the four weeks of the month, I would be on the road driving around going to these places, trying to get stories, trying to interview people working on the railroad to write these stories. Basically people assuming that I worked for corporate, and hating me, finding out that I didn't work for (laughs) corporate and liking me, corporate finding out that they like me, so then they hate me, so they're (laughs) upset, and they're telling my boss that I'm not doing a good enough job, whatever. So, you know, it was a very weird, weird job, and I did it from uh, February of 2011 to I sent my resignation email on, like, July 23rd of 2011, Got a cab, went to Target Field, and watched Cleveland lose in the walk-off against the Twins, a 113-degree day in Target Field, sitting next to these guys that had been furloughed by the Minnesota state government. And they found out I just quit my job, and I just kept buying me beer all night. So, massively drunk, had left my work phone, sent this resignation so email. was only like six months. I was there, yeah, so six or seven months, and I hated it. Like, I, they
0: didn't... Did you yeah. know anything about the railroad industry to be able to no. write about it? No, I knew nothing. How not did you it. do this?
1: You just read old newsletters, and you pattern your writing off of it.
0: God. I had some... You, you know what? I, I, I say that I, I feel shocked now to hear that, you, you know, you did that, <laughs> but I had I had some of that stuff, too. And, well, yeah, and you, we we you kind of have to figure it out. It yeah. seems crazy hearing about it now, but at the time, it was like, whoa, it's a real job right? Yeah. You, I mean, I grew like they're up, paying me. Yeah.
1: My, my parents were very much like, okay, you know, you got a college degree, you're off the insurance, you know, you got to figure it out. Like you can live in our house cause you're here in Columbus. So you'll save on rent, but yeah. like everything else is on you. And so like, I think I was paid 30,000 maybe mm-hmm. in this first job and got an apartment at Lionsgate and it really wasn't a bad life. Uh, it just wasn't what I wanted to do every day. And I was doing this side gig with Huskers Illustrated. And so then I was like at that point, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna cover the team during the season, try to collect as much money, freelance work as I can through the Journal Star or the World Herald or whoever needs a writer. Mm-hmm. Um and just, you know, try to, you know, don't care. I don't have health insurance, I don't go to the doctor anyways. Just try to survive as long as I can until something breaks. And the same week that I reach out to Sherwin Williams about starting a uh, a program where I would have went into a management program that sent me to Cleveland, learned all about Sherwin Williams for six weeks, then get dropped anywhere in the country at a store and be an assistant manager, and work your way up the ladder. A guy quits at, at uh husker twenty four now husker twenty four seven They need someone it's the middle of the season the next day Nebraska's playing Minnesota and Jerry Kill in twenty eleven and I get a phone call on a Friday morning at, like, 7. I'm like, hey, do you want this job? I'm, like, unemployed, where my best options, I had just applied for the Lincoln Journal-Star Cop's Beat, and I could go into this Sharon Williams lifestyle. And that Friday morning, I get the phone call. Like, my life could be totally different right now. With
0: Like, you're talking hours that it could have. I yep. mean, it, it could have been completely different. Yep. So what? So you jump in and do that, and... does it it, and was it a what was the job at that time well it was like you know you're gonna cover recruiting
1: and you're gonna help out Brunts with stuff going on in lincoln you know day-to-day beat stuff etc and i like i had followed recruiting but i wasn't into it to the level that people that you know follow me now uh are and so it was it was sort of fascinating in that regard but it was a the door was open and it was like if you're gonna do this you kind of have to you know do this, mm-hmm. because I had, I had wanted to work, like I said, I wanted to be a columnist, mm-hmm. and newspapers just weren't hiring. I mean, my my junior year, I think I got turned down from 83 different internships of newspapers around the country. Mm-hmm. Like, I sent out 83 freaking resumes, and most of them, you know, I didn't formally get turned down, but... Yeah.
0: Never got the... you
1: Kind of like you with the Lincoln East Hall of Fame, I mean, mm-hmm. you never got the phone call, Which so. is bullshit. <laughs> so... You know it was one of those things that when the door opened, like you kind of just gotta go through it mm-hmm. and I did, and it's probably similar to you of radio where it's like you took a chance and suddenly years later it's like hard to imagine doing something else
0: how different so so what what exactly were you doing in those I know you just sort of talked about it, but what were you doing? How different is what you were you know doing oh, then compared to what you're doing in the years after that
1: because now I mean you have all this other stuff where you know I'm doing podcasts or i'm i'm writing different i'm taking photos i'm shooting video i'm doing all of these different things back then it was like okay try to get a couple stories up a day you're calling different high school kids i had no connection to the staff at that time um and so you know i was basically writing about any kid that had a nebraska offer i basically just cold call these kids And basically, just like, hey, have you heard from Nebraska? Yeah, I got a letter. And then (laughs) I read a story about it. (laughs) It was, like, terrible. It wasn't good. But I didn't really know what I was doing. And it was still a new enough thing, even at that point at, like, 10 years old, um, that there was no single way to do it. And so you're just kind of trying to figure it
0: out. Yeah, what did did the recruiting world – the recruiting – so I got really into recruiting about – Seven years before that, when I was in law school, Mm -hmm. I got there's like a like the Donald DeFrand year. I can tell, I can tell you that entire class because they didn't get Ronaldo Hill that year. And I can tell you, I can (laughs) tell you, O'Donnell O'Connell was a lineman from Illinois. They didn't get, I mean, I can tell you about, I got into it for one year, which is really weird because I don't know what it was, but how different was that part, even that? So, like, your first year when you were in, in that business. How different was it then than it is now? Now, obviously, there's a whole lot more mediums sure. in terms of talking about it. But how was that? Just the essence of the job and the recruiting industry different so, than than it is now?
1: There was only three people at that time ever writing about Nebraska. Uh, four, I guess, um, ever writing about Nebraska recruiting. John Tallman, who is sort of the like the the big guy in the market like that's who you know i wanted to be and that's who i was competing against josh harvey who had just moved in uh to work for then big red report for scout and then john tallman's coworker, um mike mattia uh who just unfortunately recently passed away here this summer uh he was the other guy and he and tallman you know wrote a lot of recruiting updates uh, that was it like now the Journal Star has their own recruiting guy. The World Herald has their own recruiting guy. There's like 17 services, you know, so it was, it was very different. Like, I wasn't worried about a kid not picking up his phone at that time because he wasn't getting blown up by 10 people trying to call him because he'd gotten a Nebraska offer. The call Twitter, was, a, the
0: call was more yeah. exciting then because right. of the lack of, volume. well, they were random. Uh, you know, think of it this way. Like, kids weren't going on Twitter announcing offers
1: that made my job so much easier because you knew what was going on versus like a kid could get an offer and you wouldn't know for months until you just stumbled into it. Mm -hmm. You know? So it was, uh, it was a much more blind, like almost dumb luck thing because I just didn't have connections forged at that point. Now, Mm -hmm. over time I got to know multiple people on both staff and people that worked in the recruiting office or, you know, Ross Ells was always really good to me. He was a recruiting coordinator. And so I would be able to actually go to these guys and be like, Hey, is so and so a real, you know, target? And they're like, No, we're not interested in him at all. Mm-hmm. Stop writing about him. So, you know, that, that became helpful because you would, you narrow the field down instead of every possible football player in the world. You- you kind of get a condensed list of what you're trying to do. So I I feel very fortunate that like 24-7 stuck with us at that time because I don't think Brunson and I knew what the hell we were doing
0: at all. That's crazy. But that's I don't you, know that anybody did because it was so... That's a weird... T- it's a weird time because it's pre-Twitter or it's in the very infancy yeah. of Twitter. And it, it's, it's before instantaneous
1: minute-to-minute
0: news. Yeah. and But the internet is obviously there. Sure. significant Because... When I was talking about the year, I was way into recruiting. That was all we were. Yep. I mean, we were using the internet. We were looking. Well, at yeah. It, yeah. I mean, when I Oscars Illustrated, right. and when what, I
1: followed it, I'd be like going to to the rivals freeboard, trying mm-hmm. to read stories about Peyton Hillis when the yeah. was recruiting I mean, him as a
0: fullback. The early two thousand, it was the message board world, is yep. what it was then. Mm-hmm. Huskerpedia, yep. you know, and and Huskerpedia, dude. Huskerpedia, wow, man, that's a. Blast I was from the all, past. I was a big Huskerpedia guy. Uh, for we while. had a meeting
1: at the, the Daily Nebraskan with the guy who ran Huskerpedia to sort of like merge our coverage to kind of be affiliated with like Huskerpedia. So that way they had their own kind of instead of aggregating everything else, they had their own sort of coverage coming in with it. And um I can't remember this guy like shows up and I don't know if he understood that we were like a college newspaper but i think he thought we'd be a lot more polished and professional than we were it's like (laughs) "Eh,
0: it's a student operation i wish i know they have like the wayback machine on the internet and maybe it's out there somewhere but in 2001 probably the tuesday after nebraska lost to colorado in 2001 i wrote a post on huskerpedia what I, don't know. I wrote a post on Huskerpedia <laughs> just... where I outlined everything that needed to happen uh, from oh yeah yeah I've heard about this from that moment forward to get back into the for Nebraska yeah. to play in the national yep. championship and I was ridiculed for it. Okay, there were people who said it would never happen, and not even all of it happened. Like the uh, the Virginia Tech Miami game almost went the way you needed it to go, mm-hmm. even at the beginning. But I the, but then. I, that might have been the earliest point on the internet. That might have been the first point on the internet, November 2001, early December 2000, probably December 2001, where I claimed myself having predicted something right. Okay, my, my favorite part about that is that because it went well
1: for you, what it did later in life is that the Royals are 17 games out of the wild card in August, and you're already at that point like, here's what has to happen.
0: I, I did it once, in a at an 8:40 clip over their next 42 games. That's a good point because that is the first time I ever went on the internet and laid out a hopeful scenario about how something might work out. <laughs> and damn it, if it didn't actually work out at that point, and it just it was, laid the seeds for you to do it. With, and now that's who I am. Bids everything, and, yeah. legitimately, everything. We were uh, we uh, we were we were speaking earlier about Dave and Corey. The four of us went out for drinks and went to a Nebraska basketball game Right now, uh, one night. We went to the end zone. I remember I asked you this question. I said, what is it that that is interesting to you and keeps you going when you're calling high school students and talking about the same thing over and over again? What keeps that fresh? What keeps that mm-hmm. interesting? And you said something to the effect of, and you can explain it better, but something to the effect of, and I remember this, just hearing their stories and yeah. he- hearing all of that. Expound on that. Tell me about that. Is that still true? For, true of you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely true
1: because there's always. I mean, obviously, no two people are the same, and the way that these kids end up in these situations are all different. I mean, so Malachi Coleman's story, for instance, is going to be drastically different than Maverick Noonan's. You know, Maverick Noonan grew up in a situation where his dad's a former professional player. The expectation is that he was always going to be a great athlete that was going to be involved in this. Maverick Newton, or, you know, like, and it's not to take anything away from anybody, but it's, everyone has their own different, you know, thing. Like, for example, one of my favorite kids in the, the 2023 recruiting class, his dad is a former major league baseball pitcher. And one of the conversations that we had is like, Hey, you're a football player. Like how did, like, did you feel any pressure that you had to follow in your dad's footsteps? And you get to have those conversations and you get to learn about people. I mean, the reason i feel like i do as many radio shows and podcasts as i do is despite generally being a jerk half the time i like people i enjoy conversing with people and i like learning about people but talking
0: to high school kids sounds like the least population in the world that i'd like to talk to <laughs> i mean it's it's give different. me give me kid give me 4 year olds uh, give me 60 year olds i mean i that's the interesting but thing about your job to me. One of the things that's hard also to to get people to realize is that
1: sometimes you get to experience somebody on the best day of their life. Like they get the Husker offer, they commit. Like they're going to college and the first kid in their family to do so. And you get these like elated voice conversations or you get, you know, and it's really awesome. And it also what it does though is it makes it really hard is that they get to Lincoln and suddenly they're not the player that they're supposed to be and they're down and they're frustrated. And, you know, that, that becomes difficult because you have to separate that too. Because you also, mm-hmm. like, I want to be able to do a good job of analyzing how this football team's playing without adding in the emotion of how I feel about a certain individual mm-hmm. who's not playing well, that kind of thing. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I just enjoy hearing people's stories. Um, And the process of how they got there Mm -hmm. because it's always different, you know, it's it's never just as simple as well I was born this way and I am, you know, a god of football and everyone made an offer like it just never really works like that
0: Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout Let's hear that one more time what do you think about the future of your industry specifically and how that plays into you know how you want to be a part of it, if you want to be a part of it? Yeah, I mean, I it's
1: hard for me to imagine not being involved with recruiting to a degree. I think I've evolved as a media person to where I don't know that people associate me directly with recruiting anymore. Um I think they just associate me. I don't talk. T- I could text
0: you and get all kind of inside information from you. <laughs> you think? You Have can. I ever texted you about a recruit? No. The only time I've texted you about a recruit is when I think I'm giving you something. <laughs> Which hey, I happened remember that freshman first- basketball game where you outlined how the twenty
1: twenty three crop much. of Lincoln athletes was going to be the next wave pretty of the much. Future. And
0: guess what? Now you were there, oh. and I said, "Watch this kid." And what's happened? Yeah. Top one hundred recruit. No. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, look, I'm just saying. But you, you're, you know, it's weird. I don't ever, you know, I don't care about offending you, but I, I don't care about recruiting. Like, I don't, yeah. I, like, I can't, I I probably, there's probably, you're probably a great resource for that, that people ask you that. Like, we did our fantasy football draft a couple of weeks ago, and uh, everybody's asking, like, hey, what about this kid? What about this kid? I'm like, I don't know who the hell that is, and I really don't care. I yeah. wish, um, well, there's only so much you can do with that
1: knowledge, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but none, nonetheless, though, I'm, I, I am curious, though, just how you see that. Is that is that something, like when you think about what you like most about what you do, how does that impact how you think about your future? Hmm, going deep. Um,
1: I don't know. I think my ability to adapt to where things have gone helps. Um, and the interest that I'm always going to have in people will, keep me wanting to be interested in, in recruiting and telling stories and all of that. The thing that has gotten hard, and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about talking with high school kids. It is harder than ever to get kids on the phone. I mean, it is virtually impossible to get a guy to just talk to you on the phone for five minutes when he would rather do an interview through text, which is never good, but you have to take what you can get. And the problem with doing an interview through text not only can he self censor can he think more about what it's going to happen you 're not getting anything off the cuff, you're getting generally pretty canned responses is that the five minute interview could last five days, yeah, because believe it or not, they 're not always super interested in answering the question that you just sent over yeah so that the The difficult part for me right now is that i 've lost the ability to talk sometimes where you can get some really good stories or a question you ask could lead to an answer can lead to a question you had never considered. But when you're just texting it over chances are you're just getting the nuts and bolts and you're trying to get in and Mm -hmm. get out and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that in itself has been somewhat of a challenge, like making sure I'd not overly reliant on that and then trying to develop the relationships that I can, that when, you know, I want to do a story on Riley van Poppel, he's going to pick up the phone. Um, that's hard, you know? And then the other thing that is hard is that I am aging to where I am no longer close in age to people that I no longer understand. Like, I don't know the music that they watch. I don't know the TV shows that they watch. I don't know the people that they follow. I mean, like I remember early on following Vincent Valentine and he would be using these abbreviations on Twitter and I would be going to like urban dictionary (laughs) to try to figure him out. Um,
0: i think that was like one of them, seven years ago one of the early like nine ones,
1: years ago one of the early ones was like how he would be laughing at something someone said but he was actually seriously mad about it and there was all this like long acronym and he like tweeted it like four times one night and i was like what does it mean and so i'm like searching these things and that was when i was 20 uh 24 <laughs> And now I'm 34, yeah. and I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, you're just going down from here. And so I just asked Happer, who's now in his 30s, so he's
0: worthless to me. Yeah, jeez, just nothing. It's a good thing you didn't know me then. I would have been worthless. I <laughs> well, would have that- been even more worthless. <laughs> the thing is, actually, I might have been more worthless because I might have a kid that age, right? But There's now a, you have, now you can basically answer I, questions. Yeah. Right now, th- th- that's a weird thing: is you lose touch with that world, um, you lose touch with different parts of the world, like. There's a 10 year swath of like kids' movies. I have no idea about or not like the Barney era of kids' TV. Okay. It was when I was college, when I was in sure. my early 20s. Um, or like some of the like Toy Story. I have no idea. Then my son was born in 2004. And for the next 10 years after that, I can absolutely, I mean, I know everything. That was the door of the Explorer era. I know everything about that, right? And it's the same thing. It's Do the you, same like, thing. All parents like, I, have really strong opinions on children's television shows. Oh uh, yeah,
1: because that's like now as I've aged and I have. For now, in they're my talking life, about Bluey, and I have no idea right. what that is. Or, I've never uh, seen in my life.
0: Calu or whatever. Ka- well, Caillou. Ka- that was my. That was in my son's era. Okay. That's a. That's a problem. You don't know if that kid. Daniel the Tiger. Yeah, that was Peppa, my uh, Peppa yeah. Pig. Pe- that's my daughter's era. Okay. Yep. Caillou is a problem because you don't know if the kid's like eighteen months or eighteen years. It's weird. <laughs> um it's that was a a discernible difference you would think but there's
1: watch the show
0: you'll know what i mean you know what i mean with that um but nonetheless and that that happens i think but that happens i think relating to teenagers too Mm -hmm. like now i have a 17 year old and i probably am better at knowing some of that that world than i was 10 years ago It, it just ebbs and flows so
1: nonetheless um so I should just borrow Johnny if I need to know what something means? Maybe.
0: I don't know. He's kind of a... He's kind of a... Dork? He's sort Yeah, dork. Old soul, I suppose. I was hoping I would get a more dynamic teenager. <laughs> <laughs> what makes him an old soul? I don't know. He just... Uh, I mean, he likes some of the garbage music right now. Don't No doubt about it. Don't give him too much credit. He likes some of the garbage music right now, but he's not... I don't know. He's not as uh, it's weird. He likes to stay home on Friday nights. Like what? What? What do you do? I I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't ever done. We talked. I mean, he and I talked about if you listen our our my podcast with him. I have not listened to that. We got we we got way into that. I need to. I I need to just. So I don't. I don't feel bad saying about this. Saying this because I told him I'm like your social life. High school sucks compared to mine. Okay. (laughs) To be fair to him. His high
1: school experience uh, would have been miserable, starting in March of 2020. So, that's true. He happened to uh, I, so got, maybe that I got lucky. Maybe with my staying kids.
0: home is drawn out of that. Yeah, well, that's part of it. But part of it is they can do it all on their phone, mm. and they can be still be at home with their family and that sort of thing. But how big of a deal would having a cell phone have been for you in 1994? Huge. Here's the biggest reason why it would have been huge, because you know what I spent most of my Friday and Saturday nights doing? Driving around the damn town, at trying me. to find my friends. And not, I mean, yeah. and I mean like a, like a search party, like driving out to every, we got 20 houses of friends that we know. Sure. Hopefully we'll hit the one that has cars there. That's it. It would have said the amount of efficiency that it would have put into that process, sure. social time, all of the things. It would have been incredible. But, no, we didn't, we didn't have it at all. So I had, a, I had a
1: cell phone my junior year of high school. My parents ended up getting me one early. My brother and sister had to wait until they graduated high school. But then I was a third, and they got, like, an extra deal to get the extra line. And it was supposed to be their phone, but I just commandeered mm-hmm. it. We didn't have text. So it still basically operated like a normal phone. Right. But it, it does seem like that gap between having it and not
0: having it would have, you would have missed out on a lot. It would have changed yeah. the way, just straight up social efficiency. I didn't need to be texting. I didn't need to be on Snapchat, TikTok. So it's, it's just a right. call and say, where are you right now? That's what I needed a phone for. How much of your day on Friday throughout like a
1: normal like it's Friday in February you're at Lincoln East were you spending like that time during the day figuring out what was going to happen that night with my
0: w- with my closest circle right right we're going to yeah. we're going to come over to my house whatever but there are concentric circles around that uh. and we need to connect the goal for the night is to connect with them the kids. Okay, there's circles. there's girls there. Sure, yeah. Consen- the The girls aren't at the original circle. Oh, okay. But there might be in the concentric circles. There's popular people in the concentric circles. Okay, this that's is, what we're this trying is actually to actually making to me miss high school in a weird way. And but we didn't know where they would be. Yeah, we legitimate nobody did. It all happened organically. And there were nights, Mike. There were nights when me and one or two friends would drive around in my '85 Nissan Sentra. For an entire night and not find a damn person. And we would call it a night at about 1045. See, I think we
1: had the efficiency at that point where it was going to be, there's like five houses where you knew maybe people were going to be there. If for some reason no one was answering their phones, which wasn't really ever a problem at that time. But yeah, that's
0: wild. Yeah. Just driving around. Um, this is uh, officially now the longest podcast than Jack Mitchell podcast. History. Yeah, it was always going to be. It was going to be. We, sh- you know, we should have done a radio show together than the tailgate sometime. <laughs> I don't know why nobody tried to put that together ever at any point. But yeah. nonetheless, I uh, I do, do want to say this though. You know, you you, you talked about, um, you know, you talked about your the th- the process as a kid and and the things you thought about doing. And, and I'll tell you this you started in this business and and one one that was kind of you know based on information based on getting people information as soon as possible you've evolved um to a point where you are someone that i i uh gravitate toward to toward because of the level of personality entertainment um the ability look I've got a grudge against people who are in print who try and go on podcasts, <laughs> okay? Just like people in print probably have a grudge against radio people who try and write blogs. I mean, I really don't, but... Well, they should. <laughs> all
2: right. But
0: I do have a grudge. I'll, I'll keep my grudge I have for a the, grudge. The, the video people. Listen, when the newspaper people were all starting podcasts eight years ago, first of all, they sucked balls, okay? <laughs> and they all think they can be broadcasters like sure. that. Uh, you have been able to do that from the beginning incredibly well thank you and that's um, but you 've been able to do that because of who you are because of your ability to infuse your personality, your ability to be funny to to show kind of the human side of yourself um, and that 's what makes you incredibly unique to me in the business out of a bunch of a bunch of names who are great at getting information, and you have done that incredibly well um and i'm excited to have worked with you and you become one of my best friends and it's it's weird after you know it's it's weird because it's been i can't even figure out how i met you we did earlier in the podcast i can't still figure out yeah why we did this show together (laughs) i I wish i could remember We never quite got to that you called me but nonetheless that's all i know nonetheless somehow whatever, you know, it's, it's weird in this life, whether it's our job, our coworkers, the people we interact with regularly, I find that to be you in my life. And that's where I am in my life right now. And I'm excited about that and I enjoy it. And, uh, so I, I just want to thank you for all that. Thanks for, thanks for being such a good friend over the years. Thanks for putting some trust in me (laughs) over the years in doing this because uh, you, you didn't have to. And, uh, it's really cool, and I'm glad. I'm glad you come down to my basement. You're a veteran of being down here, and you've been here a lot of times. And so I'd like to keep that going.
1: Well, one, I appreciate the incredibly kind and unnecessary uh, words. I don't. <laughs> I never aspired to be a media personality. in Yeah, but this you sense. are, man.
0: Um, That's what you are. You you are because I mean, I really so, do appreciate you it. are. You you have a personality that is. You have personality, a sense of humor a sort of level of humanness that is draws people to you. Um, and man, that's not that's not easy to do. And you've got that right now, in addition to everything that you've got on the other side of things. I, I really what, appreciate it. I, I mean, truly do. You, you, you really do. And you can, you're a good broadcaster. <laughs> uh, writing people couldn't do this. You can. And you've been able to. And maybe it took some time, but you can. I mean it's no different than you, right?
1: Like you basically, you were a lawyer and now you're Lincoln's preeminent morning talk show host. I mean, like it's not like you, you traverse circles to get into that spot. I mean, it was a lot of just saying yes to stuff like, Oh, well, yeah, I'll do that interview because every rep builds on each other, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I feel like, I have good chemistry with a lot of people, but there's like a select group where I am just unbelievably comfortable that you know we can talk about anything that happened in my life, anything that happened in your life. Yeah, And so I've always appreciated that about this, and then I think I don't know if anyone ever tells you this, and I hope that they do, you're very good at interviewing people. Like you get good stories out of people. One of the things that I hope that people view of me, and you really don't get to see it unless I'm doing something, not necessarily like this as a guest, but mm-hmm. when we do do the podcast, I like to interview people. I love to ask <laughs> questions. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I never shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do a good job with that. I think that's why we connected.
0: I, I love hearing it. I mean, I love hearing, I learned things about you today and everything <laughs> that I didn't know. Yeah, I appreciate is, that. Which is cool. But, no, I think you do a great job. I'm excited you're my friend. I'm excited uh, you're in the media market. I hope you don't leave. So, anyway, that is it for the Jack Mitchell Podcast. No plans to go anywhere. Longest in frickin' history. Jeez. Yeah. might have to, real to edit this, this thing again. down. I might have to take all Mike's godfather's talk out of this thing. Uh, but, anyway, <laughs> thank you, Mike, for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. We'll do it again. we got to work on that, bringing the band together. Corey, yeah. Corey Dave, if you listen to this, we're gonna be calling you. We're gonna call you. We're gonna make a lot of
1: money. I think we just start with just showing up and watching Corey play poker at uh, down the hatch if
0: he's still doing
2: <laughs> <this thing. laughs>
0: so many do not, we, as, as, uh, Mike and I did a half hour of this podcast simply on yeah Corey Ross and Dave. and I think we could have done we could do a whole like serial podcast thing on Corey and Dave.
1: well, and you know. Dave's probably appreciative we spent most of it on
0: Corey but we could have spent as yeah, much time on no Dave too. We're, we're reuniting I, I'm going to figure out how that's going to happen So There you go, <laughs> that's the Jack Mitchell Podcast Hey, uh, Thank you so much for joining us on this, you can find us on all your podcast providers uh, Go ahead if you would like and you did like it, give it a nice uh, review maybe a nice rating and we'll be back next week Hey, thanks everybody, we'll talk to you next time